Father, we thank you for this message today, God. We thank you, Lord. We prepare our hearts right now, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we, are, we incline our ear to hear before your throne, Father. Father, we cast out any distractions in our own mind, Lord. We take ourselves out of our own world, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that anybody in this, everybody in this room and everybody on YouTube and Facebook especially will be blessed by this message, God. Because I thank you, Lord, you're tearing down mindsets. You're tearing down place, things that we think, Father, that are keeping us in a stagnant ground, in stagnant areas, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that the only way we can get to the next level, Father, is if we come out of the ground that we're in and we plant in a new ground, a new soil, Father. And we thank you, Father, Lord, just continue that, take that presence from worship today or earlier and just bring that in this message, Father. Hide me behind the cross, Father, and just speak what you're speaking, God, in Jesus' mighty name. And this message is called, uh, Subject Yourselves. Subject Yourselves. And the, and the word subject, uh, I know obviously most people know what that word means, but just wanted to, I just felt led to do it for some people because, you know, Everybody has their own definition of what words mean. Obviously, you have all different types of denominations that took words in the Bible and they made their own thing out of it because they, well, sometimes, I mean, you can take what a word means, but you don't know what the context of the heart means either. So that's the same thing. But I want to reiterate what this word means because it's important to know or else we don't get what the Bible's actually saying. So this word can mean... Uh, there's a few different things, but in, I'm talking about in the context of what I'm talking about. It's to bring under one's control or di- jurisdiction. This is what's on Google, but it gets the same feel. Likely or prone to be affected by, dependent or conditional upon. And we're supposed to be subjecting ourselves to Christ. So think about it in that way. But I want to start, before I get there, I want to start at I'm going to go through these two verses real quick, and they're very similar to each other, and they're talking about the same thing. And, uh, and we'll just start at 1 Corinthians 15, 27. You there? Anybody even scroll? Everybody good? All right. For he has put all things under his feet, but when he says all things are put under, his, under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is, is accepted. So it's just talking about God. What well, that last part is talking about, just to get you, not get you distracted, he's saying that God put all things under subjection under Jesus' feet, but God himself is not subjected under Jesus because God is, is the head of Christ. But I wanted to go, but God showed me this, this scripture, many people, and I'm going to uh, go back to it in another scripture, it talks about the same thing. Many people say, oh, Everything is subjected under Christ. All, all things are subjected under His feet. All things are under His feet. Yes, all things are under His feet, but that doesn't mean that... So when somebody goes, is going through a spiritual battle or somebody's going through something, well, if He put everything under His feet, it's all, it's all good. Everything's going to be done for me. But if your self is not subjected to Him, what is in subjection to Him is not going to... He's not going to... So He has power... When it says that everything is subjected under his feet, it means that Christ, God gave him everything upon the earth, everything in heaven to him for his power. He can do what he wants. He can do anything he wants. He's Christ. He's God. But at the same time, we know God's character and we know that he doesn't move. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, when man has free will, he doesn't move on their life if they're not willing to do his will. He doesn't come to somebody if they're not willing to receive him 
and automatically move. He can if he wanted to. He can turn rocks into Christians. He can actually turn an unbeliever into a believer overnight. He can change anybody whenever he wants. But that's not his character. He can change everything that's going on in the government that you see. He can put the right person as the president. He can do this. He can move somebody in your life. He can change your heart without you even wanting to. He changed Pharaoh's heart. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. He did, he changed, there's many other times where he changed people's hearts in the Bible. So he can do whatever he wants, but that doesn't mean he's going to automatically, when you come to the faith, make you, take you to the full stature of Christ. We have to subject ourselves to the one who has everything in subjection, and then all that, all of our inheritance will be in our subjection. Ephesians 1, 15, 23, and it's going to talk similarly, but I want to start a little ahead of it because... I'll show you why. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, so obviously he's talking to the church of Ephesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention to you in your prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. So he's already telling them, he's already praying for them before he even starts I hope that God reveals to you that he, he gives you wisdom that you can understand. He's telling them because, and that you'll notice a lot of times Paul and Peter and all these guys, when they're talking to the churches, they te- they'll say these things like that because before they even iterate some of their revelations, because you can be speaking revelations, but people may take it another way or people may not even understand it at all. So he's praying for the spirit of revelation. He's praying for the spirit of wisdom to be with them. And that's the same thing we need to do because if we're not subjecting ourselves to the, spirit of, to the seven spirits of God, which is really all in the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, if we're not submitting to his, revel- to his revelation, his understanding, his knowledge, we're, then we're not being subjected to him and he can't change us. He can change us, but he won't change us because he's looking for willing vessels. He's not looking for robots. He can make anybody a robot that he wants. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. So he's telling a church, Ephesus. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to people in the church. He's saying, let your understanding be open. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints... And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us onward who believe according to working to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenlies for above all principalities, all powers, all might, all dominion. And, and every name that is named. So he's saying anybody that lives, any being, anything not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, even in the world to come, hath put all things under his feet, and, or in other words, subject all things to him, and gave him to be head all, over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, obviously, when we're talking about the church, he's supposed to, have, he's supposed to be ruling the subjection that he has over the church and doing what he wants. But even in the church, even though Christ is the head, when we're not subjecting to the head, then the body is doing what it's want, and the brain cannot change what's going on in the body. The, the, the head cannot control the body. It's like if, let's say, your arm had its own mind, and it's moving around, you ha- your, brain, you're trying, your brain is trying to tell your arm to move, do, it, do something else, but it, that, and that's what many people are like in the body, is 
They're doing their own thing and they're like, oh, well, he has subjection. He has all, he can do anything he wants in my life. He can change this, he can change that. But guess what? He's not going to change anything in your life, even though he can. He's not going to change anything in your life if you're not changing your heart towards him, if you're not subjecting yourself towards him. And it said, the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. So he's already telling them, before he tells them about subjecting about uh, that he has subjecting uh that he has subjection over all the earth over everything he's already telling them that about the exceeding power that he has for us toward us who believe he the the, the greatness that he can do with us but it's only by his grace that he can change us but he but he's not going to change us Pe people think i got to get get by i'm saved i've said the prayer i got the card he can change me. He can do whatever he wants for me. I'll just sit here when he's ready. When God's ready, oh, I got those promises on the board. He's ready. Uh, he's, he'll do it. He's going to 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 do it. Well, guess what? He ain't going to do nothing because he doesn't automatically put, do everything for you when you come in. He's expecting a following. He's expecting a submission. He's expecting a subjection to him. He's expecting you to change according to his but where his spirit's going, he's expecting you to, to be led by the spirit. So that doesn't mean automatically all your finances, all the areas of your life, your family, your friends, your ministry, your this, your that is automatically going to change. There has to be a subjecting and then his subjection will come in and he will move when he wants. And I, I know it's interesting. I wrote a post last week, I think it was or whatever. And God, and God, because I see all these people on Facebook and they're saying, oh, Oh, we got to go out and save the lost. We got to, oh my God, we got to save the lost. We got to save the lost. And people, all these evangelistic people. But then God showed me that he can change. He can make an atheist believe in a second if he wanted to. He can change an unbeliever's mind and get them to be a believer in a second. He can do whatever he wants. He can show them a dream. He can show up. He can do signs and wonders. But he's not, he searches the earth for the, for the right heart. He's not looking for just anybody. He can make the whole world Christian. But he's looking for people that are going to take, that he sees in their heart. We don't know what he sees, but he sees something in his heart. He sees some pureness that will give willingly. That's why you see a lot of people that were in drugs, were in alcohol, were in whatever they were in. They're ready to give it up. They don't even want to live their own life anymore. So he's like, oh, that's an easy one. And then they're ready to follow him. And they're ready to see what he wants to see and do what he wants to do because they've given up their dreams and desires already because they're sick of trying to live for themselves because they know they can't live for themselves. And that's why God finds a heart. So sometimes we go striving in the church to try to find one person to believe so hard, but it's by the Spirit of God and God already knows who's, who He's going to get. So this evangelistic thing that we're preaching in the gospel is really all, it's all, it's all striving because God when you're led by God and he, he'll lead you to the souls that need, need planting, he'll lead you to the souls that need to be saved, that are ready to be saved, the ones that are plucked already, the ones that are ready to, to be turned over. And, it's, and, it's, and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's not going out in the street five hours a week, five hours or even a night, some of these guys, and, oh, you're going all oh, this, blah, blah, blah. It's preaching all night and all day, but they're not do, saving anybody. Because it's not by flesh and blood, it's by the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 10.5, and I want to go here. I've talked about this scripture before, but I saw it in a different light. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity 
into the obedience of Christ. So right there, he's already, what I, saw, what, I saw, what I just saw today is he's already telling them, he's already telling them about submitting and, and taking it. We got to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But he's saying, cast down arguments and every high thought that it, but he's saying, if you, or if you take your, you actually can beat those arguments. You actually can beat those thoughts that, that try to, that take over your body, that bring spirits or whatever, by taking every thought captive. So when we, because when, when we argue, when we have things that control our mind, our body, it's because there was a wrong thought, there was a wrong desire, there was something wrong that came into our heart and mind, and we received it, and we became one with it. And as we became one with it, the spirits behind it started becoming one with us. But when we take every thought captive, we already shut the door. When we take every thought captive, there's no need to have an argument because there's only one war in the church, and that's the carnal mind versus the Holy Spirit. That's the flesh versus the Spirit. And when you're in the Spirit and your brother's in the Spirit, there's not going to be any argument. There's only argument because there's only one war, and that's because one is in the flesh and one is in the Spirit, and they have two different minds, and they're at war with each other. And if we are all in the Spirit, there's not going to be any argument. There's not going to be any revelings or, or all the stuff that it talks about in the flesh. So this is why we need to subject our, 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 our mind. See, submitting ourselves is the same thing as subjecting, as the word of subjection. But subjecting ourselves or submitting ourselves is, doesn't just mean to come in the flesh and be like, Okay, God, here am I. Say all these words, do all these things, and blah, 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 blah. But he's saying... Every, he wants every part of you. He doesn't just want, he, everybody's presenting this and this and this and this and this body here and coming to church and all that. But he wants, it, he wants everything that's going on in here. He wants every feeling. He wants every thought. He wants everything that goes through your heart and mind. And he wants you to leave it at his feet. He wants you to bring it to him. Because a lot of times we get feelings. A lot of times we get thoughts. And we let our carnal mind eat it, and we don't bring it unto the obedience to God. And when our carnal mind eats it, it makes it makes weeds in the ground, and all of a sudden we start having things coming in our life, spirits coming in our life. We start having the devil starts coming in. We give the devil foothold. When something comes to our mind, we have to throw it at his feet. We have to subject ourselves to Christ. He has the power to change to take your thoughts, he has the power to take your feelings and change them or do whatever he wants with them. But if we don't take our feelings and our thoughts and, and put and subject it to him, that's when we're in subjection to the devil. There's the, the one that has all subjection, all subjection in his hand, but the devil has, has he only, the devil only has subjection over anything because of free will. Free will is what gets the devil and everybody in the church said, oh, free will. Hey, you, gotta, we, you know what? God gave us free will. And they preach like it's a great thing. You know what? Free will is a, is a sentence of death. Because when you're free will, you're, you're, you're going to self-destruct. So people, pastors and preachers, I even heard, hear Christians, even people that I know intimately that are in, in, back at home, they're all free will. We, well, well, you better relax, brother. We got free will. Yeah, you got free will, but you better be careful with that because if you got free will, you're going to kill yourself with that because you're going, to put your, you're going to take yourself away from God and you're going to be in your own land because when you're apart from God, you're going to do what you want. It says, it says walk in the spirit that you may not do the things that you want. Shane just said the scripture on Sunday, walk in the spirit that you may not do the things. And that's why we walk in the spirit. That's why we follow him. That's why we submit to him is because when we don't, we do what we want.
We do our desires. And when our desires are fulfilled, sin is fulfilled and the devil gets what he wants. So many arguments, like it said there, so many things that we get into and, and, and dreams and things that are from the enemy and, and problems that we have, offenses, bitterness, whatever. It all comes because a thought or we, had a, or we felt something or we were feeling a certain way and we didn't subject it to him. We didn't make that thought, we didn't make that feeling obedient to Christ. And when we don't make that, see, we, we indirectly sometimes take our own free will how we want it. We think, oh, well, I, I, my heart, I want to serve him. I want to serve him. I want to serve him, blah, 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 blah. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But how you walk in the spirit is, is another thing because you can have a good heart, but that good heart turns bad. People have good hearts and, and it turns bad somewhere down the road sometimes. But that's because one day they decided to, something came in their life, a thought came in their life, a desire came in their life, and they decided to think upon it themselves, apart from God. See, when we, we better watch when we think apart from Him. We better watch when we're taking those feelings or we're taking those things that are coming in our life or, or some person or something physically happens in our life and we think on it and we think on it, but we're not praying on it. See, we need to, in the church, we need to stop doing more. We need to stop, start doing less thinking and more praying. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in everything. He says, but in everything. It doesn't matter if it's ministry, work, family, friends, personal things. doesn't matter what it is. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. And sometimes we're lacking peace because we're not subjecting everything to him. We're lacking peace because we're not taking everything to prayer. Prayer isn't just your declarations. Prayer isn't just your... Whatever you make it up, praying is, const- is you constantly. It says pray without ceasing. It's talking about constantly, 24-7, because praying is much more than just saying a bunch of words. It's a matter of being there with your daddy, being there with the father, having, hearing him, knowing him. You can do that anywhere. You can do that in the closet. Sometimes you, Jesus needed to get alone, but he was always in the secret place with the father. And that's where we need to go, and that's what we do is when something... See, we get, it's like we go, like Shane said on Sunday, we go visit God. But that's the problem is when we go visit God, then later, what are we doing? Okay, God's back at home, on my bed, and I'm... Huh? So prayer is a constant subjection to God. Oh, that's good. That's, good. that's, a, that's a poster. That's a poster. <laughs> exactly. And what? And when we go to work, when we go to wherever we're doing, regular life things, we're thinking on our own. We're not bringing it to prayer. Prayer is not a place, it's a state of mind. Prayer is a constant thing that we're doing and, 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 and when we feel something, what is that, Lord? What am I, is that, oh, the, oh I got a thought. What, what is she, is that, is that true? Is that not true? You're taking it to God. You're not thinking, oh, because the devil will put thoughts in your mind. That's how he plants his seed. Not every thought that comes to your mind is holy. Not every thought that comes to your mind is God. And that's why we 
that's where offense is rooted in his wrong thoughts about people, about places, about anything. Something comes in your mind and you're thinking on it and you have your own interpretation of it. But maybe God's just saying that's just simply the devil putting something in your mind. Or maybe it was discernment. Maybe you're getting a thought that is from God, but then you're saying, oh, that's the devil. Maybe it wasn't. But you have, you get, you've been given, as Christians, as born-again believers, born-again means we've been given, our spirit has been refreshed, has been renewed to God. Our flesh hasn't changed, but our spirit has been made new. And now we have that place where now we can communicate with God and we can know it's Him. Back then... There was times where, I forget the guy's name, it started with an A, not Abraham, it was another guy, it was Ashur, I think, you know, Ashur, he had blind eyes, he was a prophet, and he went to go rebuke the, I think he was rebuking the guy that was building the Tower of Babel, and he was saying, Ashur, Ashur, and he's like, is that you, Lord? They were just hearing voices, but now... We have a spirit that now bears witness with the Holy Spirit. We have a conscience that has been renewed and now bears witness with the Holy Spirit. Paul, there was times where Paul was reiterating to his church and he said, my conscience, what I'm telling you is true because my conscience bears witness with the Holy Spirit. And that's how we know all things. That's how we hear all things. And that's how we move and do all things because we have an inward witness. We have an inward knowing. We have it. This is called, this is actually what faith is. It's the substance of, to know all things. That's what faith is. It's a substance. It's, it's, it's a something that's deep inside that we just know that we know that we know. And if a thought or a feeling or something comes to our mind or something comes in our life and we don't know that we know that we know, we need to take it back a little and shut off the ignition. And we need to say, what's the deal with this? Because I'm not, it's not bearing witness. It's not, in my spirit. It's not, doesn't feel right. We need to check all things. Christ is the, is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So when we're submitting to the Holy Spirit, we're actually submitting to Christ. We need to take things to the Spirit and say, and is that you, Lord? Is that me? Is that, what is that? And sometimes because God doesn't answer you, sometimes because we can't wait on God, we get tired of it and we just try to do something and then that's when See, there's sometimes there's temptation when God's not speaking. Sometimes the biggest temptation is you want to speak when God's not speaking because you don't want to just be doing nothing. You don't want to say nothing about it. You don't want to just leave it. There's a situation in your life or a situation out of your home. You don't want to just leave it. So what? Does that mean go handle it in the flesh and try to fix it yourself? Are you God? He's God. He knows every hair on your head. He cares for you. He even cares for the unbeliever. So there's no question. Is, it's, not, it's not a question if does God even care about my life? Does God even care about the situation? If he cares for the birds of the air, he cares about you. So if he cares for your life, of course he cares what's going on in, in your situation. But are you going to wait for his wisdom? Actually, there was a verse that I should have pulled out. I looked at it today and it said, a fool... I forget how it goes, but I'm going to paraphrase. A fool uh, doesn't wait on wisdom and something, something, something. But the point is, the, he's, he's a fool because he doesn't, can't even wait on the wisdom of God, can't even wait on hearing the Lord. And it says that when the prophet speaks and there's nothing, nothing is done, it's because that prophet speak presumptuously, not hearing from God. 
And many times we speak, many times we declare, many times we do things, and it wasn't God. Because we spoke it presumptuously from our own, from our own vain wants, from our own, for our own, whatever the agenda is. Sometimes if I come up, if I came here tonight, and I didn't want to preach tonight, to be honest with you, but it, I just prayed and then I kind of got an unction and I was like, I guess I'm preaching tonight and I texted Shane. But if I had went and, and woke up the next morning, I was like, I want to preach. I just want to preach. So I'm going to come up with something. That's right there is presumptuous because I mean, you can want to preach. I mean, I want to preach all the time, but if I go and I try to come up with a word, it's presumptuous and it's vain because it's probably coming because I just want to preach or I want to, it's for my own glory, it's for my own thing. When somebody does something without the Lord, usually it's from their own desires, from their own lusts. When we have our own lusts, we, want, we need to fulfill them. We need to gratify us it and if we don't do that then we we have to if if we have we have to let that thing sometimes god's not even doing anything like let's say if it was preaching i can i can follow my category let's say if it was preaching and that gratifies your flesh maybe god won't even let you do anything for a while because he's trying to let that lust in you die ministry lust in you die sometimes god may even say may not even be telling you to go out on the street but because he's trying to kill that ministry lust in you. But you don't even realize it, so you're like, oh, well, I gotta go do something. Oh, I can't be in the house. I can't. I can't. Well, it says, and then you start reciting scripture. Well, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, go, and then you start just doing stuff. And that's what gratifies you. That's what gets your heart in a, in a, in a happy state, is if you have to be ministering. Ministry doesn't, is, can make you joyous, but if ministry is making you more joy, giving you more joy and peace than the Holy Ghost, then you have ministry lust. If whatever gives you more joy and peace, whatever is your base of joy and peace and it's not the Holy Spirit, it's an idol. It says the kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness in, this doesn't just say joy, peace, and righteousness, but in the Holy Ghost. So where is your joy and peace going to be coming? From the Holy Ghost, from his actions, from what he does, from his, what comes out of him. And if we don't subject ourselves to, to him, we will never feel the joy and peace and righteousness or have the righteousness from the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 5.24, and I'm not talking about husband and wives tonight, just so you know. Therefore, as the church, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In everything. Just kidding. So, <laughs> key word, everything. So it says, so let the wives be to, the, be to their own husbands in everything. And obviously, what a marriage is supposed to be is, is subjection to your, to, from, from a wife. Obviously, the, there's, there's relationships that have Jezebel spirits, Ahabs. But in a perfect world, and in the biblical marriage, it's, the wife is submissive in everything, and that's supposed to be a shadow, a type and a shadow also of Christ and the church. He just said it right there. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, he's saying, so just like the church in Christ, let the woman be like this. So if, if he's saying, let the woman be like that in everything, what do you think he's telling the church? 
He's telling the church in everything, in all your doings, in all your thoughts, and it doesn't, well, what do I sub submit to you? Everything, anything. It doesn't matter if it's small or great. In everything, submit your ways. It's not, you don't ask, I mean, whatever. I don't know if God's telling you to go eat Cheerios or Fruit Loops, but sub any, anything that's on your heart and mind, subject it to Him in everything. Everybody has their relationship with God, but the ones that are not submitting or subjecting everything to him are the ones that are rebellious, are the ones that are, because rebellion comes from the flesh, because the flesh does what it wants and wars against the spirit. So if the flesh wars against the spirit, you will indirectly rebel against God because you're moving in the flesh. Rebellion isn't just, oh, I hate God. Forget him, forget him. No, rebellion is doing your own thing. When you even, especially when you know better, Especially when you know you're supposed to be moving by the Spirit or whatever, or God told you to do this and you decide to do, He told you to do point A and you're doing point B, that's rebellion. And some people have a stronghold of rebellion because of things like this. They cannot, there's, and some people, it's just one part of their life. They can't submit to the Holy Ghost, they can't put at Jesus' feet because they want to, they need a, there's something to get out of it. There's, I don't know if it's a job or something. But they, they get, they, they, it gratifies their flesh, but they need to submit it and trust God. But when I, hey, but when I trust, when I just do that and I throw it at his feet, it's like, I don't do nothing. I don't know what to do. It's like I'm sitting in solitary or what. But all he's looking at is, are you giving it to him? And so, like I said, some people, they're sitting there and doing nothing, but that's because God's probably trying to drain something out of you. He's probably trying to let something die in you. I had a, I came up with that, God gave me that message, ministry lust, for three years ago when we were going to India because I was like, well, God, what am I doing? I'm not doing, I'm not ministering, I'm not praying, I'm not, what is going on? And he's like, I'm trying to kill something. And that's when he birthed that message, ministry lust, about oh, how we want to do stuff and we're always, and us doing and doing, doing and doing and praying and preaching and all that, all that is just to gratify our own flesh and our own image and our own glory. Let me jump to this last one because I just feel led to go to this one before we... Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into the village. And you heard this story before. A certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, was meaning like focused and, and all about much serving. So I don't know what she's doing. Serving around the house, cleaning dishes, doing whatever she's doing. And came to him and said, and obviously Jesus was around, so she physically went to him. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou care, not care? My sister hath left me to serve alone. Bid her therefore that she helps me. And, and so she's saying, like, what is she doing? She's just, all she's doing is at your feet. And I'm, I'm doing everything. I'm doing all this. I'm doing this, that, and the third. Why don't you, if she hears you so great, why, does she, you tell, why don't you tell her to help me? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. 
So we have like two people in the church always wanting to do something, always wanting to do, always wanting to do. And then you have the people that are sitting at the feet of Jesus waiting for his next word, waiting for his direction, waiting for, and he called it a good thing to be at her feet. And that's where we need to be constantly. Being at his feet isn't just laying on your bed all night. Being at his feet is, is, a, is, is a place you are in your heart, constantly in subjection to him, constantly waiting to hear from him, constantly waiting on direction, constantly letting, him th letting the mind of Christ become a mind in you. The mind of Christ isn't an automatic thing in your life. Everybody comes to the faith and they see that scripture. Well, we all have the mind of Christ, but he was really, what, he was, what that, Paul was saying, or whoever said that, they were saying, we, as in the apostles, as people that, have, that are ministering to you, we have the mind of Christ, and we're here, and whatever then he said, he didn't say everybody has the mind of Christ. If we all had the mind of Christ, we wouldn't be renewing our mind. But as we are renewing our mind, the mind of Christ is becoming flesh in us. The mind of Christ is becoming our mind. As our spirit begins to be the thing we listen to, the thing we receive from, the thing we subject ourselves to, our mind is being subjected to our spirit and our mind is becoming like the mind that's in our spirit, which is the mind of Christ. But if we're not continually subjecting, don't say you have the mind of Christ and there's carnal mindsets in your mind. And, and then... Said, let this mind be in you, that's also Exactly. Let this mind be in you. So if he said, let this mind be in you, it didn't say it was automatic. Everybody comes to the faith and they think they're super Christian because I got the mind of Christ. I know all things. I'm, they're just declaring scriptures, but nothing is spirit. Nothing is real in the spirit. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. I only got two left. I think it's going to be a short message. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. In all your ways, in all the things you do, in all the things you even say, acknowledge Him. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean say the name of... People think acknowledge Him means say Jesus. With Jesus, I'm going to go jump off a bridge. I acknowledged Him. Right. Jesus, I'm going to go... That doesn't, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, go to him. That doesn't mean like, just say his name. Where do we get that? We just say, if we just say the name of Jesus, everything we do is going to be blessed. We think if we just put his name in it, the spirit of his name is going to come. The name of Jesus is just a name, but if there's no spirit behind the name, the name means nothing for you. The name does mean something for those that submit to the, the one that has that name, but the name itself, it may have some power on it to a degree, but it's not going to really get you him. So acknowledge him doesn't mean, oh, Jesus, I bless this meal. No, acknowledge him means go to him about it. Take everything, all your ways, everything about yourself, everything in your mind, everything in your heart. Go to him. God, is this right? That's the acknowledgement he's talking about. God, is this wrong? Is this, what am I feeling here? What am I think? Why am I thinking like this? Why is this person doing it? Why is acknowledge him? Because when you don't acknowledge him or go to him, in other words, then you're gonna just go to because so we have to explain life somehow to our own being. We there has to be some interpretation of what we see and hear and everything that goes on. 
But it's either he's going to be the interpreter, interpreter in your life or you're gonna, your carnal mind is just going to do all the interpreting and the carnal mind brings forth death. The carnal mind is at enmity with the Spirit of God. So it's either what you're thinking is going to end up becoming the mind of the Spirit or what you're thinking is going to end up becoming death in you. There's no middle ground. There's no there's middle ground when it comes to waiting on Him and, and facing that temptation of thinking for yourself or fending for yourself. But when you submit to Him, you're either going to submit to one of the two at the end of the day. There's no submit to... I don't know. This, you're either going to submit to yourself or submit to him. Lean not on your own understanding. And many people in the church, and the reason why we have so, many, so much religion out there is because of that one scripture right there. They're leaning on their own understanding. They, they've came to God, but they, every way that they preach about God or talk about God, it's all come from their own mind, their own way of thinking. It hasn't, their way of thinking hasn't been reborn, and that's the trouble of that whole thing. We all have the mind of Christ is because what you're doing when you take that scripture and you say we have a, all have the mind of Christ is now you're saying, well, my carnal mind is blessed. But your carnal mind can't be blessed because it's from the flesh. Your carnal mind can only be blessed when your carnal mind is submitted to the spirit within you. Then the blessing comes to your mind. Then, but you have to live from here, from within, not here. And that's why people, so, many, so much religion, because people are seeing everything that's spiritual from their carnal-made brain. And that's the problem. Is you've been, that's, why, that's the, really the whole point why Jesus died, is because now He's given you a new spirit that now you can see Him. You can hear Him. You can feel Him. You can know about Him. That's, that was the whole point, is making you one with Him. It wasn't, yes, it was to erase your sins because it separated us from God, but moreover, the deeper part was to make us one with God, was to make, was so that we can know Him. What did that song say? It said, eternal life is to know Him. That's what He's been longing for all along, and that's the whole point of Him giving you a reborn spirit, is so that the kingdom of God would not be by observation anymore like it was, but now the kingdom of God can be by reality inside of us. Now the kingdom of God is inside of you. It's no longer by something you come up with. It's no longer by something that's seen or done in the physical. God had to do a lot of things in the physical in the old days because his kingdom was physical because of the people he was dealing with. But now he's sacrificed his son. So now that we can come, we, instead of God coming into our reality, now we can go into his reality, which is not seen. But everybody wants to live in the Old Testament. They want to see God bring down fire and brimstone. And I'm not saying there's not going to be any of that in the last days. But he's trying. he came in this realm to, to meet us. But now he sent his son so that we can meet him in his realm and, go, and actually go to the throne. And instead of him coming down to the throne, now we're going up to the throne. I'd rather that be the case and me live from within than me having to try to hear God from some voice out there or some try to find him out here. Because he's right here everywhere I go now. Right then, they had to go in a tent. They had to go in the, in the what is that called? The tent of meetings, Ark of the Covenant? The, yeah, the tabernacle. That's what I, I had to like go through all the different types of things just to find the one. The tabernacle, they had to build the tabernacle just to meet him. And now it's within you. But, it, but you can, people say, oh, well, I'm sealed with the Holy Ghost. Till the end, 
I got the Holy Ghost. And there's well, those people that do preach all that and they say, I got heaven inside of me. This big belly right here has heaven inside. Okay, that's great. But are you submitting to it? Because you can still submit to your carnal mind. And your carnal mind is going to start ruling your spirit. And it's going to start choking the life out of the, the new spirit that he gave you. Just because you were born into something, that doesn't mean you're going to stay in something. I, I, I spoke in this in the last writing I did. People think born again means I'm sealed in the heaven. But born again just means now you're connected with God. But you can still disconnect from him. You can still walk away from him. If when I, we get, we, Aaron gave birth to Roman, and that's our kid, but when he's older, he's, he may end up doing what he, obviously we don't want that to happen, but he can end up doing what he wants to do. He can end up leaving. So just because he was born through our family, that doesn't mean he's going to stay with our family. And that's just the same thing in the kingdom of God is just because you're born into the family of God, just because you're born into the kingdom, doesn't mean what the, I mean, the, the prodigal was the prodigal son, he used it right there. What if the prodigal didn't even come back home? Would he still be accepted in the beloved? The pro- what if the prodigal didn't even return from home and, fended f- and kept fending for himself? But the problem is we have so many prodigals in the church today that are still saying we're born again, we're making it. And obviously God's the judge at the end of the day, but I don't, that doesn't mean, he said, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. He said that before he died. So what makes us think that if we don't abide in him, he's automatically going to abide in us? What makes us think that if we think we have the mind of Christ, we're automatically going to think like Christ? It says, what, he, what Shane said before is, what, is, what was the scripture again? Let this, mind be let, the, let this mind be in you. So it's, we're gradually changing this thing here. Nothing's perfect already. And they're preaching that identity movement that says everything's perfect, we're all sealed, we're all righteous, we're nothing's, nothing, just keep thinking you're righteous and keep thinking you're holy and keep thinking you're perfect and everything will, and it'll, they, it's called, I forget what they call it, but it's, they try to, they, it's like speaking in, they think they speak it into existence and there's a sense that that's true, but there's still a sense that it's a process of getting there and it's not something that just goes bam, okay, he turned the rocks into Christians now. He said, I'm, I'm John the Baptist overnight. That doesn't mean, no. And that's the, what, what's killing people is they think they've arrived right when they got born again. And there's no submission to God. And they say that whole scripture again and again. Everything's subjected under his feet, but not for their life. Well, he's, everything's under his feet. My job is under his feet. My finances is under his feet. But guess what? He, it doesn't, even if it is under his feet, it's not going to be under your feet. And this is the last one. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. Sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. So right there, He's already saying the righteous. The righteous. Doesn't mean anybody who claims Christ, anybody who says they're a believer. Doesn't mean... He's, yeah, cast, just put your burdens. You won't be moved. You'll be sustained. But are you in Him? Are you subjecting your whole life to Him? Are you subjecting every part of yourself to Him? But you can, you can re-say this scripture so many times, put it all over your house, 
But if there's no subjection to Christ, if you're not subjecting yourself, there's not going to be any sustaining. There's not going to be any uh, uh, easy burdens and easy yokes. It's all going to be heavy. And when, some, and when you have a heavy burden in your life, or the yoke is not easy, there's lack of subjection. There's a lack of submitting. There's somewhere that if he's, his word is true, and if, there's, and if there is a heavy burden in your life, don't blame Christ for it. And don't say, why are you putting this heavy burden on me? Because it's you at the end of the day. He will take in your... He, he, he does listen to everybody's worries that they say to God, everybody's request. But how many is he going to answer? Is the question, yeah, go cast, cast your burdens. Go, go submit yourselves to God. Go, But he's not going to answer those who are not really submitting their whole life. Yeah, go tell God your cares and worries. And sometimes God will move because on um, people that are just are shallow because he knows that that might win them or whatever the case may be. But some people he's not going to move because, okay, you want me to take care of this, but you're not giving me your whole self. doesn't matter if you... Good, okay, you got some freedom here. That's because you subjected this part of your life to me and you only want to be in the Spirit when you're at that place or with this person. That's what some people do is they, when they come in, and this can even happen in, in church, any, any church, you come into church and, you just, and you, then you want to be in the Spirit. Then you want to be the Holy Ghost minister. Then you want to be doing things by the Spirit all the time. Oh, okay, God, then that's when you get, oh, God, what do I say? What do I do? Okay, God, show me what your vision is. Show me what you're doing. But you need to, that's this, that same attitude. He's asking that for your whole life. That same thing that you do in church should be going on everywhere you are. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. Obviously, we're not going to fulfill the deeds in the flesh when we're at church, but we want to not fulfill the deeds of the flesh because that's what really matters is when we leave this door, what like Shane said, what DNA are we leaving behind? What DNA are we leaving back at home? What DNA are we leaving at work even? What DNA are we leaving when we're with our family or whatever? But that's, that's all determined by, are you going to walk in the Spirit? Are you going to subject yourself to Him? Are you going to subject your feelings, your thoughts, your deep, darkest things, whatever it is? And that's what gets you to be, the, to be, to be one because he has everything subjected in his hand. And now we're, he says that he's going to give people the right, uh, the right hand of his father as well. And a kid, uh, somebody asked Jesus in the old, in, uh, when he was around. And he, they said, oh, how can I? Uh, I forgot how it went. But they were asking how to be at the right hand of the father. And he said, that's not mine to give. But those who are in Christ, the father will give him will be co-heirs and we will have the same we're being raised up we're coming into the full stature of Christ that we would have the same subjection we won't have the same subjection in the sense of doing everything for the whole world in the sense of moving pieces and I want to put this person in private not that type of subjection but in the sense of you won't you will be the head and not the tail in the sense of that no evil shall befall you that you will be in the secret most place of the most high and when you put yourself in subjection to him, everything in your life will be subjection and subjected to you. And Father, right now we pray for our hearts, Lord, and our minds to come in alignment, Father, that we would be subjected to you, that we would be 
in every part of our life, every feeling, every thing that we think, every situation that comes in our life, every person that says something in our life, let us throw it at your feet, Father. Let us put it down and say, okay, you're the interpreter for me. Heaven is speaking another language that I don't know. I'm only English. I'm only heavenly. I'm only earthly. Now you, Jesus, you are the great interpreter of, of, of the heavenly realm. Interpretate to an earthly man what heaven is saying. And Father, we just ask right now, Father, that you would renew our minds tonight, that we would have a different mindset, that we would have a different state of mind and heart in all things that we do. Jesus, just come, for, Father, with your presence. Fill us right now, Father. Fill us, God. And even in, even in our subjection, Father, you're going to heal us, Father. Even in our wounds, as we subject them to you, there's healing that comes, Father. There's a, a, a sowing. When, when you have that cut, what is that called? When you, when you get a cut and they sew it up or whatever. Stitches. There's going to be some stitches, Father, that you're going to patch up tonight, Father. Whatever it is in our mind, Father, right now, whatever it is that crosses the, the, the eyes of our heart, Father, right now we subject it to you, Father. Whatever it is, Father, whether we think it's supposed to be or not, in faith we say, Father, we subject that, that thing to you. We subject that person to you. We give that, that thought to you. We give that event to you, Father. We give that wound to you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.